Robert Mitchell with High Tide in the Dreamtime. Uh, today's episode is going to be called Limbic Misery. And it's based on some work I've been doing recently with people. And based on an understanding that I have uh, developed over the last few years in working with people. And in observing people and in uh, helping people. And the reason I'm calling this episode Limbic Misery is because each of us, each one of us, has a limbic system. And our limbic system is our most primitive parts of our brain. Um, I'm not going to get into neurology of it too much but it's basically in the lower parts of our brains that are connected closely to our uh, spines and when I talk about limbic misery what I'm talking about is the primary um, simple uh, reptilian brain the parts of our brains that aren't conceptual that are not uh, involved in higher uh, conceptual and intellectual undertakings, um, that are not involved with morality or um, preferences, politically, emotionally, spiritually. They're not involved with love. Uh, they're just involved with our well-being and our survival. And for so many people, so many people that I've worked with, and you know, they're similar. They're the sort of the parts of our brain that are similar to, I guess they're called the reptilian brain. They're similar to lizards and snakes and crocodiles and probably dinosaurs. But those creatures don't have the high mammalian functioning that we have and that we use to problem solve. So, you know, I think that sharks are like that too. Whenever I hear about a shark attack, it makes me laugh because there's always some expert that says the shark doesn't, didn't, made a mistake. It, it thought the, per, the surfer was a seal or the swimmer was a seal. And I always think that's really funny because I always think what the shark thought was, I'm hungry, I can eat that. And, and it's sort of the fascination with reptiles, with snakes. It's why they're so scary, because they don't have empathy for you. They're not interested in you. They're interested in, can I eat it, or is it going to try and eat me? And so rattlesnakes and cobras and you know all kinds of venomous snakes, they bite people when they think that people are going um, to harm them. Or they attack rodents because they're hungry. And so in the, in the, uh, in the uh, reptilian brain, in the limbic system, we're basic. Do I feel good? How can I make myself feel good? So hunger is a limbic uh, response. Uh, sex is a limbic response and orgasm is limbic. It's not conceptual, it's a reflex. Um, being cold, being hot, being scared, being worried, the amygdala 
is part of the limbic system? Am I safe? Am I, is my existence threatened? And what I find in the work that I do, and I think that this would uh, correspond in both meditation and in therapeutic psychedelic use, is people often experience their discomfort, discomfort, their limbic discomfort. You know, I know that in some people's uh, psychedelic experiences, reptilian motifs, scales, snakes, um, things like that are, are very present in people's psychedelic experiences. And those act, that imagery and those sensations are quite often unpleasant. And in my experience, what people are, are, are encountering when that happens is they're encountering their own uh, struggle to feel comfortable in their limbic system. In meditation, the correspondence is that in the sensation of your body and in your breathing, and in your breathing going through your body, there is a awareness of discomfort because most people are not seated, seated, S-E-A-T-E-D, in their body, in its natural structure. They're holding themselves a certain way that is a response to their environment, oftentimes unconsciously almost always unconsciously. And one of the ways that meditation can be healing is to become aware of these structures and to dissolve them with your breath and to allow your natural architecture to reestablish itself. And that can be a breath by breath over the years kind of an experience, but it is possible just like it's possible to sort it out with psychedelics or with yoga. But what creates this for people? What creates this discomfort? And I'm gonna get into the personal and collective uh, consequences of the discomfort, but basically what creates the discomfort, probably nine times out of 10 is somebody's initial physical and emotional environment. If people, babies do not feel comfortable, if they do not feel cared for in a limbic way, they are gonna struggle to feel comfortable throughout their lives. And we're not talking about good people or bad people or good moms or bad moms. We're talking about bonding limbically so that you're not having to conceptualize about why am I uncomfortable? Why aren't my knees being met? Why don't I feel safe? Why am I hungry? Why aren't I warm? Why aren't I comforted? Why aren't I uh, relaxed? And why this often happens is because of the limitation of one's carer or one's environment. 
Now, if your carer, the person who's caring for you, mostly your mom, is empathetic and intuitive and warm and not distracted by the circumstances of their life or their emotional experience or the lack of limbic satisfaction that they experienced with their own caregiver, then they're going to be able to modulate that for you. They're going to be able to attend to you or me or anyone in a way that fulfills your needs, in a way that your limbic system is just relaxed because it's going to feel like everything's okay and everything's going to stay okay and everything, I don't have to worry about things. And in my experience, and it may be a self-selective group, that is pretty rare. Either because there's an emotional situation going on in, 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 in the environment or a physical limitation or a lack of intuition or a distraction because there's other children around. Um, but whatever or something in the relationship with the father, like all that's possible. More often than not, those limbic needs do not get met. And so what you see in the culture, what you see in the world, is you see many, many people struggling with limbic discomfort throughout their lives. So how does this work? How, does, how do you see it? Well, if your limbic system is uncomfortable, if your limbic system is unsettled, if it, it hasn't decided that your environment and, and the world it lives in is super comfortable, it's gonna be really hard for that person to feel comfortable. So they're gonna try a lot of things to make themselves feel comfortable. And a lot of positive things can come out of that. A lot of super creative people are, 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 have limbic discomfort because their creativity distracts them from their discomfort. Many high achievers, they work and work, you know, you, workaholism. They are distracting themselves from their limbic discomfort. People who are daisy, who are dreamy, who aren't paying attention to their environment are distracting themselves. They are in a daze trying to ignore their limbic discomfort. All addictions historically are trying to assuage limbic discomfort alcoholism, drug addiction. The opioid crisis that we have is about people's discomfort in their environment that they cannot tolerate. So it's so primary to be able to feel good in your body, to be able to feel safe and comfortable and supported 
and that your body, the experience of your body is actually a pleasant environment. And for so many people, that is not available to them. And, you know, one of the things I notice about people when I work with them is my sense of, are they comfortable in their body? Or, and, you know, even socially, I'm aware of that now. You know, with this work I've done, is this person comfortable in their body? Do they like how they feel being them physically 24 hours a day? And oftentimes the answer to that is no. And so there's a couple ways to resolve this and there's a couple ways to look at it. The environmental crisis that we find ourselves in is primarily a state of limbic discomfort. Our environment is so fundamental to our experience that knowing and seeing and experiencing and having feedback that the environment is unhealthy is creating an enormous amount of limbic discomfort in people. Uh, an, an enormous amount. And there, that's going to need to be addressed holistically and collectively. Otherwise, people's limbic experiences are not going to improve. The opioid crisis is not going to improve. Depression is not going to improve. Anxiety is not going to improve worldwide. It's a collective manifestation of limbic discomfort. So how to create limbic comfort when it's not a download from your environment, when it's not something that you're just given is a really, really, really important life skill. It's otherwise what you have is you have anxiety because your amygdala is part of the limbic system. So it's going to always be looking out for what the next problem is or what the next difficulty is or what the next disaster is going to be. Um, you're going to have depression because partly when your limbic system is activated like that, it drains energy from your higher functioning because your your the higher functioning of your brain and of your consciousness doesn't operate optimally if you are uncomfortable and trying to figure out why you are uncomfortable so um what can be done about it well first of all I think that it's important to look at historically the environment that you come out of, meaning your family and your, 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 the environment that you grew up in, but mostly when you're really young, because our limbic system is functioning full on when we're born, our higher, our higher brain operations are not, but your limbic system is, can I breathe? Am I hungry? Am I safe? Am I comfortable? Am I comforted? You can see a baby's like that two minutes after it's born. 
trying to get comfortable. I've seen that myself. And your limbic system, funnily enough, it's the last thing that functions when you're dying. And I have seen, uh, I've seen, seen people dying and what happens is, is that their higher functioning shuts down at a certain point and really all they're going to have is their limbic. And when it comes down to their limbic system, it's, can I breathe? Can I get enough oxygen to keep things going? So there are, what are technologies to improve our limbic functioning if it's not ideal? And for most people, it isn't. Well, I would say one of the best things to do is really to be able to evaluate how do I feel in my body? Am I comfortable in my body? Isn't my body a, um, a pleasant housing for my consciousness? And for a lot of people, and for, you know, I would say it's like this for me too, and I'm, I'm pretty integrated physically. So sometimes the answer to that is no. And when the answer to that is no, it is so hard to be in your higher functioning. It is so hard to be wise. It is so hard to be smart. It is so hard to make good decisions for yourself because most people, um, and I include myself in this at times, when they have limbic discomfort or limbic misery, as I've talked about this, all they want to do is escape this. So how do they escape it? They look at their phones. They work. They pursue sex. They drink. They do drugs. They scream at people uh, when they're driving. Anything but actually dealing with the primacy of their discomfort is usually what people do. They overexercise. They, they, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all about how comfortable do people feel in the volume that they take up in space. And if they don't have that all, or I don't have that, or you don't have that, all they're gonna do is pursue distraction or a muting of that, or a stimulation out of it. So the important thing is to really be able to evaluate your physical state. How am I feeling? That can be a mantra. How am I feeling? And I'd say that the primary way, the best way to develop an awareness of this is a meditation practice that's based on awareness. Because if you breathe and you become aware, and I've spoken about this in other podcasts, if you become aware of how your breath moves through your body, you're going to find the places that your body restricts its movement. And more often than not, this, these places of restriction are gonna be related to your limbic discomfort or your limbic misery. You're gonna have held yourself in a way that's a habit to contract your awareness of your discomfort, to tighten around it so that you don't feel it. And this could have happened two years ago 
or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago or 50 years ago. It doesn't matter when it happened. If you've experienced that discomfort in your body, you're going to try and clamp down around it. So I would recommend anybody. That's why meditation is so good for depression and anxiety. That's why it's better than any drug, any SSRI, because if you really tend to yourself, if you really tend to the organism that you are through meditation, through awareness, it not only is going to release those restrictions breath by breath, and it can be 10,000 breaths or 20,000 breaths or 30,000 breaths or 50,000 breaths before the restriction opens. But when it does, it will tell you why it's there. It will tell you why that restriction is there when it opens. It's like open sesame. It's like a closed fist that has a note inside of it. And when you open it, you see the note that was left there. I have this restriction because of this. That's why Vipassana meditation is called insight meditation. Because it will release the insights that are buried in your restrictions that you're holding in your body if you tend to it with breath. Yoga can be like that as well. Yoga, when you stretch out the restrictions, when you breathe into the restrictions, can be another tool where you can find the comfort beyond the discomfort. Because all of us in our natural structure, the genius of how our bodies came together, just in the same way that solar systems and crab nebulae and... Uh, the whole universe has a logic behind the way that it's designed, that it's formed by an intelligence. So is each of our bodies. All of the genetic material that, 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 that merged came together for the most part in the most optimal way for our bodies to support our life and house our intelligence. And if you breathe in through that structure and open up the restrictions of that structure with your breath patiently, breath by breath, it will not only release the restrictions and the reason for those restrictions into your awareness, but beyond that, it will return you to your original structure. And in that original structure is limbic comfort. Your nervous system, your brain was not designed to suffer. It was designed to function as optimally as possible to help you navigate your environment and your life. Same for me. Actually, especially for me. Um, And when you encounter discomfort built into that system, it's been built into it historically. It is not 
an agency of your kind of eternal being. It's an agency of something that you've encountered in this lifetime and something that through consciousness, through awareness, you can transform into comfort. Anybody can do it if they apply the proper tools. And also I want to say cigarette smoking and marijuana smoking is also a way of dealing with limbic discomfort. It's a way of distracting oneself from how they feel. And none of these things, not opiates, not THC, not alcohol, not workaholism, not sex addiction, not anxiety or depression, works as well to return one to a state of limbic satisfaction like a contemplative practice does. Whether that contemplative practice is meditation or yoga, within each of us is our freedom. Within each of us is our original self and our original physical body that was designed with the genius of optimal intelligence. And, you know, I, I, I think I could include psychedelics in that um, toolkit. But more often, I think what you see with psychedelics when people have limbic discomfort is the psychedelics reveal the sensation of the limbic discomfort and often the origins of it and often the uh, restrictions created by it, which can, in a psychedelic state, be quite unpleasant and challenging. Even if the psychedelic state is corrective. Even if the intelligence of whatever consciousness is generated by psychedelics um, move into that system in a revelatory way, in a um, informative way, it is probably going to be really unpleasant to have that illuminated. Because most of us, once we start experiencing our limbic discomfort, um, we are going to do whatever we can to distract ourselves from it. So a lot of super intelligent people, a lot of super creative people have limbic discomfort. And oftentimes, it's probably a faded experience because their imagination, their immersion in their imagination is so much more comfortable than their experience, their physical experience. And with great intelligence, the, the immersion in their intellectual cap capability is so much greater and feels so much better than how they actually feel in their bodies in a fundamental and primary way.
So you're gonna see high. That's that's why you you often see with highly creative people, highly intelligent people, you find workaholism, you find drug addiction, and you find alcoholism. No matter what their gifts are, their gifts cannot save them from their discomfort. There's so many rock stars like that. There's so, I remember working once for this really successful actor who was incredibly handsome and incredibly successful. And he was in so much pain. You know, it was, his back hurt all the time, but it was just, it was just, um, it was just a symptom of just incredible discomfort. And I was so fascinated and confused by the, how somebody could be so successful, so talented and so attractive and so miserable. And I ended up feeling like there's a faded aspect to it. Like there was a faded aspect to the higher your ones in in that person's uh, situation, the higher one's limbic discomfort was, the more motivated they were to be creative, to be charismatic, to draw the attention of other people, to draw their attention away from how uncomfortable they were. Physically, emotionally, and I would say spiritually. And I would say with so many people, that's the state they find themselves in. That is the state our culture finds itself in. So much of our culture is designed to distract us from our limbic discomfort. Because if you're feeling comfortable and you're feeling really good, your phone is not going to be that interesting to you. Facebook is not going to be that interesting to you. Uh, The news is not really going to be that interesting to you. Um, culture is the actual, um, enemy of limbic comfort. Looking outside oneself for stimulation and for association, no matter what that is, whether it's sports or television or film or politics, you're never going to find a correspondence with your own comfort in your own experience outside of yourself. However, culture is designed and the economy is designed for you and me or anybody to seek the fulfillment that we don't experience ecstatically in our own experience of ourselves outside of ourselves. So, Manifestations of culture are not to benefit you. News is not to benefit you. Entertainment isn't to benefit you. It's designed to remove your attention from your own experience. Great successes in entertainment are designed for that. And I think we all have to be honest with ourselves and think, has the, have things that have greatly affected us and greatly 
inspired us through creativity? Have they made us feel better? Some have. Some have led us on paths to um, more self-awareness and more creativity. But more often than not, the things that we use to entertain ourselves are things that remove us from that struggle. And so I think that if people listen to this podcast and if it's meaningful to them, I think the goal would be to notice your own level of comfort in yourself in the coming days and notice it in other people and notice it in the culture. And if, 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 And in noticing it in other people and having empathy for it in other people, we're able to develop empathy in ourselves and for ourselves. And to notice when we're not feeling good, we're not feeling satisfied, when we're not feeling happy, and thinking about the things we can do to increase our limbic satisfaction and our limbic pleasure. It is a very, very, very profound consideration. So I hope this is helpful to people and I enjoyed making this podcast. You can check out me out at www.goingquantum.org. And I always look forward to making these. And I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. This is Robert Mitchell. And I am wishing you all well. Bye. Dark Magal Turu Baromit Nanuare Tipa Daistra.